0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com.
1: Okay, the last few weeks, I've stumbled into this topic as I've talked about discipleship, about relationships. This is the third week I'm talking about relationships. I started by talking about, you know, as disciples of Jesus, we are called to be in relationship with all kinds of people, and um, and they're going to be... Diverse people. They're going be really different from us. And then I said that these relationships were going to be in big groups like this, and they were going to be in small groups. Then last week when I taught, I, th- I taught about a disciple. One of the things that disciples did or what disciples did when they were together is that they learned together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and that they loved each other. They were devoted to fellowship and loving each other, sharing their burdens. And then the third thing I said was they were devoted to liturgy. Or worshiping together and that these were the three things that we need to be doing as disciples when we gather with one another. It's not enough just to hang out and watch football. You know, it's not enough to hang out and go grab a beer together. It's not that's not fellowship. That's not that's not the only thing we do are those three things, but when we gather together, if we want to grow as disciples of Jesus, we need to be about those three things. That's what the first disciples did, and we're just following. We're, we're wanting to do and follow Jesus' instruction, and that's how Jesus has instructed us. So those things, and that, that exists. That's why we do Wednesday night the way we do Wednesday night. We start with worship. We have the apostles' teaching, and then we end with prayer and ministry. Those are the elements that we feel like are necessary to grow as disciples. Okay. And then I finally said, what powers all that is our joy for Jesus. What drives that train is not our effort. It's not our effort. It's the work of the Spirit. Is that when we experience the beauty and the joy of Jesus, we have to get it out. We have to get it out. And the way we get it out is by being with each other and celebrating the beauty of Christ together. Okay? And so that's what last few talks are about. This week's talk, I want to talk, I want to narrow it down. I want to talk about it on a micro level. We have big groups you're supposed to be doing that in. We have small groups we're supposed to be doing that in. But we also are called to have spiritual friendships. Friendships, one-on-one, mano y e mano. Spiritual relationships that are unlike all of our other relationships in the world. When I you hear me speak today, don't hear me saying, we're not supposed to hang out with sinners. Because I've done a whole talk on that. Remember, we canceled church one time and said, hey, we're going to go party with sinners. We're going to go after it because Jesus did. Jesus did that. And so I'm not saying that we don't continue to do that. What I'm going to say today, what I'm going to teach today is that spiritual friendship is unlike those relationships. Those relationships aren't going to increase or help you grow as much as a disciple. You'll grow some because you're being obedient. You're following through. You're doing what Jesus did. But those weren't the things the apostles did. What the apostles did is they developed and cultivated a spiritual friendship that were centered on the beauty of Jesus Christ. Not their relationship with each other, not their relationship with other things, but specifically their relationship with Jesus. And that this is not something that demonstrates an unhealthy desire in your life to have friends, but actually is a sign of maturity. is a a sign of somebody who desires to be like Jesus. Because Jesus needed that. I'm going to show you all those things today. But I think that many of us have baggage when it comes to this. We either have had a hard time making friends. Or we've been told that you're a weaker person if we make friends like this. Or that, you know, we're supposed to be independent. And so I have a little video clip that illustrates where some of you might have been. Some of you might have been. As you have struggled in making friends. You might be able to relate to this.
0: Just in time. I believe I've isolated the algorithm for making friends. Sheldon, there is no algorithm for making friends. Well, hear him out. If he's really onto something, we could open a booth at Comic-Con, make a fortune. See, my initial approach to Kripke had the same deficiencies as those that plagued Stew the Cockatoo when he was new at the zoo. <laughs> Stew the Cockatoo? Yes. He's new at the zoo. It's a terrific book. I've distilled its essence into a simple flow chart that will guide me through the process. Have you thought about putting him in a crate while you're out of the apartment? <laughs> Hello, Kripke. Yeah, Sheldon Cooper here. It occurred to me that you hadn't returned any of my calls because I hadn't offered any concrete suggestions for pursuing our friendship. Yeah, perhaps the two of us might share a meal together. Yeah, I see. Well, then perhaps you'd have time for a hot beverage <laughs> popular choices include tea coffee cocoa I see no 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 wait don't hang up yet but what about a recreational activity I bet we share some common interests you tell me an interest of yours you, really on actual horses <laughs> uh, tell me another interest of yours Oh, no, I'm sorry I have no desire to get in the water till I absolutely have to <laughs> Tell me another interest of yours. Uh Uh-oh, he's stuck in an infinite loop. I can fix it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting, but isn't ventriloquism by definition a solo activity? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, tell me another interest of yours. Hmm. Is there any chance you like monkeys? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Everybody likes monkeys. (laughs) Hang on, Kripke. A loop counter... And an escape to the least objectionable activity. Howard, that's brilliant. I'm surprised you saw that. (laughs) Gee, why can't Sheldon make friends? (laughs) All right, Kripke, that last interest strikes me as the least objectionable, and I would like to propose that we do that together. Tomorrow. Yes, I'll pay. All right, goodbye. All right. Time to learn rock climbing.
1: All right. So, again, like who wants to be associated with that dude? Like nobody. Like nobody wants to be associated with that person who's desperate for friends but can't make them. You know, and so when we talk about friendship, just know we're on the same boat. Like it's awkward and it's difficult and we've been wounded and it's hard. But it doesn't excuse the reality that we are called to have deep lasting relationships and specifically deep lasting relationships that are centered on Jesus Christ. Even though we've been desired, we've been, or we've been taught by culture that you shouldn't do that. You, are you, independent. You're, you know, that's a sign of weakness. We are the only culture in the history of the world. The Western culture is the only culture in the Western and the, the, in the history of the world that's defined by individual value as opposed to your value coming from your family and your history. We are the only culture in the history of the world that says you are what you do. Like what Samantha was saying. And we, we have that wound that the culture sows into us this wound that you're valuable if you do, if you have this degree, if you make this much money, if you live in this house, and you establish your independence and your need to not need anybody else is a sign of strength. When Jesus says, actually, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. That's a sign of weakness. Exact counterculture. It's against culture. That's what I'm teaching today. And so, believe me, I'm going to tell you why it's difficult for me personally, but it's, I know that this is difficult. I know this is a difficult message. But nevertheless, let's allow the Spirit to lead us into this and get the most out of this that we can today. I'm going to show you why, why it's so important. And again, Don't just, let's just throw that lie out. I know that's important for some people, but it's really not that important for me. I can get by, I'll be just fine. That's the lie that many of us have believed. The enemy's spoken to us and we just said, well, that's easier. And we take the path of least resistance. Okay, so this is why it's true. This is why this is true. That spiritual friendships are a sign of maturity because we were created for them. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have this weird anomaly in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Something that is one of the, weird things that happened that we see in Scripture, one of the weird theological things. And, and it's this. Basically, in and, 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 uh, Genesis 1 and 2, it's the story of creation, right? It's where we see God's created the heavens. And he said, it is good, right? Then God created the earth. It is good. And God created man. It is good. God created the plants. That's good. God, everything that God was creating was good. You know why? Because there's no sin. Sin had not entered the world yet. Sin enters the world in Genesis 3. And so... After sin enters the world, we see all the bad stuff happening. That's where all of our wounds come from. Everything comes from, okay? But in Genesis 1 and 2, there's no sin, okay? And, and, And so everything's perfect. There's paradise. Except there's one wrong thing in Genesis 2. There's one thing that God says is not good. Huh? Before sin entered the world, there was something in paradise that was not good? Holy cow! I wonder what that could be. Could it be friendship? Well, let's see. Then the Lord said, "It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, fit for him." Okay, and I want to explain. I wrote down the definition of the word helper there. The the fancy the the Hebrew word there it means is his complement, supplies strength in the areas he is lacking, not the same, not weaker. Not stronger, but together they are better. That's what was lacking. It's someone for Adam that would make or would allow him to experience the fullness of paradise. That would allow him to experience the fullness of what he was created for. And this is pre-fall. This is Adam, folks. Adam who has a perfect quiet time every day. 24-7, Adam is in perfect relationship with God. 24-7, yet there was something that was still missing. That's pretty powerful. I mean, you talk about something that should motivate us to be friends with each other. I mean, this is it. God demonstrating, God saying that it's not your imperfection that creates in you the desire for friends. It's your perfection. It's your perfection This is how I've made you. It's the perfection in you that draws this desire to not be lonely, to make to to feel like loneliness is wrong. I'm made to be in relationship. Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. And the ache Adam had to be in relationship, it was the one ache is not the result of sin in our life. The ache for hunger came after because of sin. The ache, for, the, the, the ache of guilt came because of sin. The ache of insecurity came because of sin. The ache of brokenness and woundedness, all those things came because of sin. Every other ache we feel, every other longing we feel, every single one of them is a result of our imperfection because of sin. Except for this one ache for friendship. This is the one ache God made in us intentionally. And it's what completes us as perfect creations in Christ. It's the thing it's so, that God's sown into us. I mean, think about it. God made paradise. God made, God made us in such a way that we can't experience paradise without friends. Adam couldn't experience paradise, perfect relation with God, without friends. And last week, what did I teach? You can't even experience the fullness of joy in Christ without friends. That your joy is not complete. Your joy is not complete until you share it with a friend, until you get it out. If you haven't listened to that talk, you really should. Again, those, both those talks and this one are from Tim Keller, different, different sermon series and stuff like that. I've been reading and studying a lot of what he's written. And it's just brilliant when it comes to relationship. And he's up in New York speaking to people that don't want to have anything to do with people. And it's just brilliant how he, he talks about these things. But two weeks ago, or last week, I talked about how our joys may complete only when we get it out, only when we express it, only when we shout and, you know, get that out. I'm not going to talk more about that. But anyway, Adam couldn't experience the joy of Christ, the fullness of his relationship with God until he had a friend. A great picture of this is I was thinking of an illustration. I mean, what does this look like that we somehow become, I don't want to say completed because we're complete in Christ. You know, the force of Christ that lives in us. That's, I'm not saying complete us, but really makes us better at who we were created to be. You know, and when I do marriage counseling, I say that marriage is our last best chance to become who God created us to be. And what I say really to the guy is, marriage is your last best chance to grow up and become who God created you to be. And for whatever reason, God acknowledges and sees that you're better off and are going to be able to be with this person that I'm putting you with to become who I've created you to be and experience my love for you. That this is the paradigm that you need to be in to be that person. Because if there's any other way, I wouldn't do it. I have these pictures. I have this... These little little slides here. See this is before marriage, okay? Because we've been told again there's this lie about our purpose and how we function together, and this is the lie. And this this could apply to marriage and friendship, okay? Yeah, a little farmer guy, corporate woman, about to get married, okay? All right, this is what it looks like before marriage. And we're told this. Before marriage, you're this person and you have your own desires. You have your own purpose in life. And you've been created for this. Okay, as Christians, we say, you've been created for this. God's purposed you. There are works created for you before the beginning of the world, before the creation of the world. God had things for you to do. Only you can do them. And when you do them, it releases joy, pleasure in God, like Samantha said, okay, that we're created for. Only you can do them, okay? And then when we're told, and this is what happens. And in Christian counseling, they tell you this. And this is wrong. They say this is what happens when you're married. When you're married, you come together. And you have to die to yourself. You have to die to those desires that God's given you. You have to die die to the the plans that God's put on your life. You want to go on that mission trip to Africa? Too bad. So sad. you got to die to that because your wife doesn't want to go. You have to die to those things. No. I couldn't make it so that there's like the dark intersection area. I'm not good with a. graphics or anything. It was late last night when I was doing this. But, and if you imagine, they say the covenant of marriage is that intersecting bit right there, right? Right? The intersecting bit. And they tell you that that's the, that's what you share in common. That's what you need to celebrate. No, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's absolutely opposite. God's, the purpose and the, what God's created you for exists still. But the other person in your life now that God is calling you to be in relationship with is to help you fulfill that, to, be, you know, to complete that so you can complete that in Christ. They're to encourage you, help you do that. And in the same way, the other, your spouse is supposed to do the same thing with you, to help you become better at who you were. That's the only reason God would have you together. That's the only reason that God would have you together. Because if you could function and create and build the kingdom of God, in a way to glorify him better outside of marriage, then he would not have you be married, because it's difficult. Right, Haley and Brian? I told this, this is all, they've heard all this. All the people that are married, I remember that, I forgot that, that was great, Haley. But anyway, and so I, th- I show them this, I draw the picture, I show them this and say, this is all wrong. So, and then I show them this next slide. And I say, see, this is the covenant of marriage, this is what marriage looks like. When we enter into a covenant, we make promises to God and each other. That's now surrounded, and, and and these two people have agreed on these promises before God that we're going to be committed to. But the individuals, the call in their life, what God's created them to do, how He's uniquely made them, still exist in the same way. But within the covenant of marriage, all of a sudden, you empower that other person to become who they're created to be. You empower the other person to become who they're created to be. This is the same. This is the picture of spiritual friendship. This is what happens in spiritual friendship. And what happens is, okay, you're together and you become friends with somebody, right? I'm getting excited. You become friends with somebody and in becoming friends with somebody, what happens is you bow to the same beauty. You go before them and say, look, We're in this relationship now because of Jesus. He's so beautiful. He's so amazing. And you're on this level with him that's unique to everyone else in the world. Totally unique to everyone else in the world. And in that relationship, what happens is God calls you into a relationship with specific people, spiritual friends that will help you become who you're created to be in Christ. Help you accomplish the things God's created you to be and do. That's what spiritual friends do. And it happens because of your relationship, not with each other, but your relationship with Jesus. And we've all seen that paradigm. It's so cheesy, but it's so true. And marriage constantly, I do this too, is that we have Jesus and we have you and me or your spouse and you or whatever. And you say, you say this, is that when you become, when you get married, if you start focusing on each other, you stay the same distance away from Jesus, Right? But if you focus on Jesus, your love for Jesus is the object of your affection as you focus on Jesus and grow closer to Jesus, what happens? You go closer to each other, right? But that is really, that's really what happens. Never, never compromising the call that God's put on your life, but becoming the person that God's created you to be as you're growing closer to Christ. Now, am I saying that there's not sacrifice in marriage? No, there's lots of sacrifice in marriage, there's tons of sacrifice in marriage. Marriage takes time. Marriage takes energy. Marriage is awesome. It's amazing. But what does Paul say? If you don't gotta get married, don't get married. Why? Because it can take your eyes off the kingdom and makes being in for the kingdom more difficult. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. But some of you can't avoid it. And for those of you who can't avoid it, God's gonna put you in special relationship with someone who together, you're, really gonna, become, you're gonna become powerful. You're gonna be dynamic. You're gonna be unlike you would have been by yourself. And the same thing is true with spiritual friendship. The same thing is true with spiritual friendship. You see, in spiritual friendship, like I said, we bow to the same object of beauty. We bow and are loyal to Christ, the most beautiful, the most, the best friend. And in that relationship, we, we identify with one another, another and we naturally become friends with that person. And it's certainly different. Come here. Come on, Alex. I need. A, I need. A, I need an illustration here. Okay. You stand right there. You're black Jesus, right there. Okay. Right there. I need someone else. Come here, Horn. Real quick. Yeah, he was. A hey, rod, baby. Okay. So I'm a Christian. Okay. And I have this. And you're my pagan friend who likes art a really a ton. He really likes art. He loves art. Or right, let's say football. He loves. He loves football, Georgia football. And guess what? I love Georgia football too. And we are buddies and we are everything. But this is what happens when I become, a, I become a Christian and he does that. Boink, like this. And all of a sudden, I no longer bow to what he bows to. But I'm in a position of serving him, loving him and caring for him. But this, my relationship with Jesus is where I get my marching orders. My relationship to Jesus is where I'm focused. My relationship to Jesus is what makes this powerful. And so everyone else who's on my level, who's doing what I'm doing, who's attracted to what I'm attracted to, the beauty of Christ, the kingdom of God, they're the relationships that are going to change me and challenge me and create in me opportunity to grow closer to God and to build his kingdom. It doesn't mean we don't love these people, but certainly this is a different relationship. Totally different. This person can't identify with where I am or who I serve. And so we can't settle for relationships. Go sit down. That's awesome. Way to go. Boom. Didn't do that illustration last hour. But that's what happens. That's why spiritual friendship is so important. Because we learn to serve others better as we're focused and we identify on Christ. I mean, the the people in our church that have the best relationships, you know who they are? They're people who are centered and focused on Jesus and usually around a particular ministry. The people at Street Corner, they all love each other. Are crazy They show up at seven every morning, every Saturday morning, they go out there, they love each other, they love people, and they're in it to win it for the kingdom of God. Why? Because they love those people? No, because they love Jesus. God's placed that on their heart, and they're pursuing that. You know the core ministry that Samantha came in and talked about, they love Jesus. They love to bring freedom to people, but why? Because they're all kneeling, they're right here. they're right here, and they're in each other's business. They're all focused to Jesus, bringing freedom, bringing life, bringing love that comes from Jesus. and naturally occurs. They make each other better. They make each other stronger. They make each other more of who they were created to be and do the things they were created to do. I mean, think about it in your own life. Everyone knows this truth. That if the object of your friendship is just being friends, no one's going to want to be your friend. Because you feel like a smothering wet blanket. You feel like a burden. I mean, think about the people you're friends with, Christian or non-Christian. your friends, usually your best friends because you love something together. It's why you can go to a a football game and like, I got got 80,000 friends because they're all wearing orange and blue. They're all cheering for the same team and they're all going for it. You notice the circles were orange and blue. But anyway, but they're all going for it. And for that four hour period, we're all friends. Why? Because we have a common object of affection, a team that we're cheering for. But think about it, even in your own life, like the people that you've grown up with, either, okay, maybe you went hunting with them you love hunting together, or maybe it's art. You love art together, going to movies together. If there's not an object other than the friendship that's driving you to be friends, you can't be friends. You won't be friends. And people won't want to be friends with you. They won't, because it will be smothering. You know, if you go into a relationship and your attitude is, dude, you know, I just want to be your friend. Let's just be friends. I just saw the world against Scott. Pilgrim or Scott Pilgrim against the world, whatever that movie is. I love, how many people see that movie? I love that movie. I love that movie. I saw it on date night this week. It was amazing. Anyway, so there's that scene in there. We walked up to the girl with the green hair. She's really pretty. It's like, she's like awesome. And she's amazing and all this stuff. And he's like this dork or looks like this dork at least. And he kind of wanders over. He's had a dream about her. He wanders over to her in the party. And there's this really awkward scene where he's like, do you want to hang out? And she's like, No, I mean, like, it's just awkward. It's awkward when you're watching it because it was just like, there's nothing there. There's nothing for the relationship to be established or built on. There's just nothing. And so when someone asks you the question or says, hey, dude, you just want to be my friend? You're like, whoa, that's kind of awkward and inappropriate even. Why are you asking me that? And in the same way, if someone says, hey, do you believe, do you believe in this truth? And you're like, oh, I want to lose them as a friend. And you think, and they go, hey, do you believe in this truth? Do you think this is real? And you, and you feel it like, ooh, ooh. I, I, and you honestly say to them, you say what you really believe. Well, well, I don't really care about that truth. What I care about, is just being friends with you. Ooh, that feels awkward, doesn't it? And kind of stalky a little bit. It does. It feels stalky. Like this, there's not something wrong there. Friendship has to be based on something beyond friends. C.S. Lewis has this quote that talks about it. If you want nothing but approval, if you want nothing but friends, you will never have any friends. I already said the quote. Here we go. Just read it anyway. Just bear with me. I forgot that he said this. Anyway, if you want nothing but friends, you will never have any friends. Friendship is always about something besides friends. This is why people who want friends so badly can never make any. The very condition for having friends is that we should want something else besides friendship. If, you, if, you, if someone asks you, do you see the same truth? And your honest response is, I don't care about that. I just, be, I just want you to be my friend. There is no way a true friendship can arise. There's nothing for the friendship to be about. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Those who have nothing, if there's nothing to build a friendship on, nothing can arise. Nothing can be created. There's no purpose. There's nothing that's going to glue you together. Friendship and relationship needs the gooey glue, needs that thing that pulls you together. And for Christians, it's spiritual friendship that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus... If you look at Jesus' life, I mean, how many people have a Bible? Well, I'm not going to say that. If you, have you seen those Bibles with red letters? Bibles with red letters, right? They're all Jesus' words. Some people don't buy them because people go, well, if you got a Bible like that, then you just don't think that all of the words in the Bible are God. So that's not true. I just like to have the red letter edition because it helps me remember who's talking. But anyway, I get confused. Anyway, so the red letter edition, if you just read the red letters, you know what you'd be reading? You know what would be exciting? for You'd be reading Jesus' thoughts. It's like Jesus didn't have like the, the emotional or like the, the, the wherewithal to know what not to say and what to say. You kind of get that like, he could constantly have been saying, did I just say that out loud? Because all of the red letters are a reflection of his heart, of his ministry, of his desires, of what's happening in his relationship with God. And he's constantly urging The disciples, his friends, hey, come with me. I'm really struggling right now. And he's like the Messiah. Oh, should I say that? Did I just say that out loud? Yep, and it was written down in red letters and everyone's gonna read it, Jesus. But he was showing us, he was proving to us, he was pointing out, look, this, I'm in relationship. I'm the king of the universe. I'm the Messiah and I struggle. And when I struggle, I need spiritual friends. I need people to come pray with me. Come and be with me while I pray with the father. Come be alone with me. Come and do this with me. Come with me. I'm getting ready to be crucified. Come to the garden with me. And pray. That his most intimate times with the Father are spent with his friends. Being with him. Supporting him. Loving him. Encouraging him. Friends that would abandon him. And Jesus knew that. Jesus' desire to be in relationship wasn't inhibited because of people's imperfections. You see, that's what's difficult. This is why we resist this. It's because friendships, especially spiritual friendships, they're tough. Because why? They take time. And we're busy. Because we're different. We talked about that two weeks ago. But that's not a good excuse. Because of who was there in the first disciples. We don't want to be in relationship with people because we've been hurt by people. Because people move away. We don't want to be in relationship with people because, you know, they might not reciprocate it. We don't want to be in a relationship with people, especially spiritual relationships, because because then they're going to know my business. And I'm going to know their business. And i got enough pain in my life. Thank you very little. And so we naturally resist and push people away at the expense of becoming more like Jesus. If Jesus needed relationship, certainly we do. And he did. When you read the Gospels, you see him in powerful, intimate relationships. The way we become friends with people is by making Jesus our best friend forever. Our BFF, baby. We make Jesus our BFF. And this is what happens. All of a sudden, people are drawn to you. People want to hang out with you. You haven't changed at all. The only thing that's changed about you is you're spending more time with Jesus. You love Jesus more. You're more intimate with Jesus. And what are people drawn to? Are they drawn to you? No. They're drawn to the beauty of Jesus they see in you. They're drawn to the power of Jesus. They feel when they're with you. They're they're drawn to the service, the love, the sacrifice of Jesus when they're with you. Spiritual friendship, true relationship, that lasts, that is powerful, that is transforming, that makes you a better disciple of Jesus, happens when you love Jesus the most. And first, when he is the object of your love, he fully satisfies you. People, are, so they see that. They see that and they're like, ooh, I want some of that, come on. And they want to be with you in a relationship because you are grounded, fulfilled to the max with Jesus. If you want more friends, stop trying so hard to be friends, making friendship the object and goal of your relationship. Instead, go to the best friend. Go to the greatest friend. Go go to the one who has sacrificed everything to be our friend. Everything God has done, everything he's done from creation is is for friendship. Friendship. It's to create opportunity for us to be friends with him and each other. And what Christ did on the cross is to redeem relationship, to make them what they could be and should be and never would be without him. That's the invitation of spiritual friendship. That's the invitation of Jesus Christ this morning. Because I know this is the service where there's lots of single people, lots of lonely people, lots of people who want to be married. Lots of people who feel incomplete. This is an invitation for you. This is an invitation to find a spiritual friend who will be as powerfully used in your life as a spouse. A spiritual friend can be a strength, can be a stronghold, can be an encourager as much as a spouse can. It's the same covenant, the same promises that a marriage comes under it's the same for a person. I will be loyal to you. I will love you to the end. If you're sick, I'll be with you. If you, if you until you die, I'll be with you because we're with Jesus. You know, until, if, you, if you bail on me, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to love you no matter what. That's the picture we see in scripture of Jesus and his relationships. They were unfaithful and he was faithful. That's what the invitation is. So if you're lonely today, and I know you are, I know you are. The hope of Christ for you is that there are relationships, there are friendships, there are people out there, there are people in this room. As you bow and acknowledge the beauty of Christ together, you will find friends like you could not imagine. You will find relationship that will sustain you, will fill you, and creating you the opportunity to become who God's created you to be. To do the things God's created you to do. It will only happen though as you're in relationship with other people that's intimate and centered on Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? This is important because as a church, we're starting to move into a season where we're getting so big that people are going to start falling through the cracks whenever they get hurt. Emotionally, they have needs, or physically, they have needs, or spiritually, they have needs. And up until now, we've been able to manage that with the staff. But as we look at divine or, like, working on a way that everyone feels loved, everyone feels cared for, nobody falls through the cracks as we grow. Intimacy remains central. Friendship, relationship remains central to River City Church. It's through personal, spiritual relationships that that will happen. That's the only way that that will happen. And as the leadership of the church, as we've gotten together and we've prayed about this, and we started structuring kind of a matrix of what this will look like, It's so easy to see that a program is not the answer for this. It's spiritual friendships. If we are spiritually, if we're in spiritual friendships, we are the front line of loving and caring for one another, of shepherding one another. That's a spiritual fancy word that we're struggling with right now in the leadership we're talking about. We have to shepherd each other. What does that look like? It's not a program. It's not a system. It's this. It's spiritual friendships. And if we're in spiritual friendships with each other, it will take care of itself. When you go to the hospital, your spiritual friends will take care of you. They'll go minister to you. If I show up at the hospital, it's bad, it's worse than the doctor said. That's what I'm saying. Creates opportunity for you to be the church, for you to be the shepherds of the people you love the most, the people your spiritual who are your spiritual friends. Let's stand. You know, I know that this is, like I said, this is difficult. And um, for the last five years, the first five years of the church, I was, all the arrows came back to me. And so it it fit my temperament perfectly. It was perfect because I love to be the problem solver. I love to be the person that comes to, that has the answers. I love that. And it, it keeps me busy. It keeps me busy. And it also allows me to remain kind of in a functional relationship with people, but not an intimate relationship with people. Because I have purpose, and people come to me for purposes and reasons and stuff like that, right? And that fits my temperament. Because what makes me a good leader are those attributes, are those things in me that allows me to deal with lots of loose ends and not lose my mind. But I was recently talking to someone, I was having lunch with them, and they said, you know, Aunt Lee, because I have this restlessness, I've been struggling because I have this time now that I've never had before to read and to lead and to do vision stuff and to, to talk about, read about how to motivate leaders and kind of look at what's next as a church because we've changed our organizational structure and we have someone who's helping do all that business junk that I don't have to do anymore. And so in this spare time, I've been, this, this restlessness. I don't know what to do. I have this like uneasiness about me. And I had lunch with this person. This person said, "Anley, for the first time in five years, God's giving you time to become a friend to other people and to have friends and to be intimate. I'm like, ooh, wow. She's like, yeah, you don't like that, do you? I was like, that's just not, I'm not used to that. That's, that's, the, that's the, the dark side of leadership and, and the, the attributes that I have that are, are my strengths. And she really spoke truth into my life. And, and, and it was after that that I've given these three talks on relationship. And that's just how God messes with me. But I know that it's not easy. And for some of you, it's because you've been hurt. But some of you, it's because of how God shaped your temperament and your personality. For some of you, it's because you have a family and you're really busy. For some of you, it's because, you know, you just think people are weird and you don't want to be with them. You'd rather be by yourself. I don't know. But I, I don't have an excuse. Scripture's clear about this. Antley, for you to become who I've created you to be, you need to start being in a relationship. You need to start going deeper with more people. And God's really convicted me on that. I've really been coming to him. Lord, show me that. I've started going to lunch with people that I normally just kind of push off. I've started coming down during the break and really trying to connect with people because this is serious stuff. If we want to continue to be faithful as a church, we need to be obedient to the things that God calls us to as a church. And right now he's calling us to, to this idea of being in relationship with each other, being in serious relationships, spiritual friends with each other. And, and again, I'm not, this isn't something I'm good at but it's something that we're walking it together. And so in ministry today, let's just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not good at this. I do feel lonely. And for some of us, you know, like I said, the desire for friends is from God. But the fact that you don't have friends could be because of sin in your life, could be because of brokenness or wounds that you have, things that need to be healed so that you're not so dependent on other people, but dependent on God. And again, I don't know what those things are, but let's just spend time in ministry today we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to our hearts on this message and what He's been speaking to us about as a church about relationships. I mean, ask yourself the question could you give me a list of people? Aintley, these are my friends. Look at how diverse they are. I'm with them in big and small groups, and they know my business, and I know theirs. Are they diverse? Or are they all the same? Are they shallow? Or are they all sinners? The spiritual relationship, I mean, what, what is it? Could you show me a list? I, I couldn't. I could show you a list of like two or three people, you know, my spiritual friendships. But that's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to more. And again, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if you have wounds that need to be healed. I don't know if you need to center your relationships more on Jesus. But let's just come down front now and just see what God wants to do. If our prayer ministry team could come from.